views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. I want to super welcome you. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. Wow, what a great day. Absolutely amazing. Uh, I want to thank all of you for tuning us in, turning us on, and uh, just say hello to Mr. Benny. Hi, my boyfriend's back. Hi, Benny. Hi, Pat. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. How are you doing? Yeah, doing awesome. Had a refreshing uh, week off, and uh, good to be bet. back in the saddle. I bet. It's really fascinating. Um, we were sending an email out to a couple of you know our team members because... Uh, you know, this has been amazing week for the team and the recognition they've been getting. So we, we tracked down one of our team members, Catherine, to find out, oh, she's in Mexico. The good life, I guess you guys live. Ah, uh, <laughs> Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> How funny. It's so cool. Well, great, great to have you back, Mr. Benny. Thank you. Good to Very be back. Very nice to have you back. Yep. Um, I am so thrilled about today's show uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, I, I, I met my guest um, a couple of months ago when we were traveling um, in the Northeast, Martha's Vineyard, and we were uh, doing a number of things to support uh, an amazing young individual, but most importantly, uh, to, to, to raise the level of awareness about Lyme disease. Now, for many of you, and I'm going to say this here, for many of you that have been listening to the Dr. Pat Show for 10 years in the greater Seattle area, and I know there are many of you that have been, um, and Benny, you know this, uh, we started to talk about Lyme disease here in the Pacific Northwest years ago. And that was an interesting journey for most of us. Dr. Darvish, I got to give my, I got to take my hat off, off to Dr. D right out of the gate. One of the first people, one of the first shows, as a matter of fact, we're probably going to play uh, an encore of one of the first shows that we've ever done on uh, Lyme disease. And, you know, we did this because what we discovered is that uh, the Pacific Northwest was not getting any love, just absolutely not getting any love around this. You really couldn't find many people um, in Seattle, and I'm just going to say the Pacific Northwest because it does include Washington State and it does include Oregon. Um, it just was not a conversation that we could have with uh, whether it's the Center for Disease Control or with doctors in general uh, in this area to say, you know what, there is such a thing as chronic Lyme disease. This is what people are discovering. And um, so 
the good news is, and boy, this is really kind of interesting good news. I don't know if this is good news or not, but the news is, shall I say, is that if you look at the occurrences of Lyme disease in the Pacific Northwest, if you looked at them, and actually we have an old map of how it was showing up uh, in 2004. If you go back and you look at this, Benny, you'll see that we don't even show up on the map. And uh, there are a lot of reasons, which hopefully we'll hear about today from my guest. But the other part of the conversation is we now do show up on the map. And a couple of months ago, I did meet uh, Dr. John Alcott in a very, very amazing, incredible event to help launch off um, John Donnelly, his cross-country bike trip. Uh, and uh, and I, wa- I want to say we got to be part of the first um, events of this kind for John over in Martha's Vineyard. It was just absolutely amazing. So, you know, we are following John around the country. So is Katina Macris of Limelight Radio. And if you have not listened to her show, uh, it will give you an amazingly bright eye-opening about uh, what Lyme disease is, what it isn't, what you can do about it, and what some of the untruths are that are out there right now. But, you know, today's show is to bring on, you know, someone that also has stepped out in the world in an amazing way. Dr. John Alcott is a graduate of the University of California, Berkeley, uh, where he was elected Phi Beta Kappa, and that's a big thing. That's a very big thing. But beyond that, this is someone that steps into the world that had amazing conversation. Many of you had already heard some of the conversations that we broadcast um, with, with uh, you know, Dr. Alcott. But here's the thing. He is the president of the Lyme Disease Research Foundation. You know, this is an organization which is a leader in translational clinical research, collaborating with institutions throughout the United States. Wow. I, I mean, I, I read that, and I think to myself, hallelujah, we have come a long way. We've come a long way from 2004 where we could not get anybody's attention except a handful of doctors here in the Pacific Northwest to even pay attention. Now what we have is some of the, the world's leading practitioners and doctors uh, Natural, uh, natural medicine doctors here that have taken Lyme disease on and have tried some of the most amazing ways to help individuals live a vitalistic life and beat this disease. But there's much more to do. And I have to say this, as I travel the country and I have been and see what's happening in the world with Lyme disease, we are very, very blessed here. And um, someone said to me, you know, how do you people handle the, the rain out there? And one of the things that comes to mind is the rain becomes secondary or actually not even relevant when you look at some of the progression that happens in the Pacific Northwest. And as I speak to my friends that are in Massachusetts, where they're not even allowed to practice any form of holistic or natural medicine, you know, my hat goes off to Dr. Ronnie Deleuze and the folks out there that are standing up to say we don't have to live like this. We can we can shine the light. We can raise the conversation to another level, and we can support John Donnelly and the many, many others 
that are saying, we are going to fight back. And that's what he has done. You know, he moved that debate to San Francisco uh, as we are all calling for treatment and diagnosis changes. And um, you may have seen Katie Couric, the special that was on there. You may see a lot of people out in the world right now talking about this. But I will tell you that our commitment to all of you is to bring you the kind of information that's going to help you change your life, going to help you save your life. That's what today's show is about. When I take a look at what this means to be the president of the Lyme Disease Research Foundation, as Dr. Alcott is, it means a lot of different things. Today you're going to hear from him and, and what his vision is, what the goals are of the organization, and why this is one of the most important conversations we can have today about Lyme disease. If you've Googled it, if you've looked at it, you're going to see that there are states all over the country now. Pennsylvania, I think, was the latest to weigh in that says, holy cow, we are up 10 to 1. You're going to hear some information and statistics today that are going to be completely eye-openers for you. And what I want to say, if you haven't done this already, please make sure you support John Donnelly and what he's doing to raise the level of awareness this 24-year-old that has taken on society, that has taken on the conversation, and uh, is supported by David Roth, co-founder of Tick-Borne Disease Alliance. And there are many, many reasons that people are on board. If you've ever had this disease, if you have it now, you'll understand why this is a conversation to save lives, to save the lives of children, one of the fastest-growing groups that are coming down with this uh, with this killer. So today I want to introduce you to Dr. John Alcott. Uh, Dr. Alcott, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. It's great to be here. Thanks. Big conversation these days, right? I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't know what you were doing in 2004, but it really is a true story. If you lived in the Pacific Northwest, you couldn't get any love around this. You know, almost everyone on the planet was saying, oh, you people over there, you, this is not a problem for you. And I wanted to ask you this question to get things rolling. What has changed since 2004 in a nutshell for you and what you've seen? I mean, what we're seeing is is spread and increasing numbers of, of people exposed to Lyme disease. So I think it's a story of, of really progressive spread year after year and, and spread into new areas that didn't have high levels of Lyme disease before and uh, more cases in areas that, that have always had Lyme disease. And so it's all about spread, increasing numbers, and, and really the fact that uh, this disease isn't going away and more and more people, our lives are being impacted by it. Hmm. Uh, let's talk for a minute um, about your role and let's talk a little bit about what the Lyme Disease Research Foundation is and why this is so important for you to get off the ground. And You know what I want to do? I want to take a break before we do that because this is such an important conversation. Um, you know, the fact that there is something that's called the Lyme Disease Research Foundation is an amazing accomplishment, amazing. Uh, established in 2007, we're going to hear, you know, what this organization is about. We're going to hear from uh, Dr. Alcott why this is such an important initiative right now. And we're also going to hear what's the call to action from us. 
You're listening to the Dr. Pat Show, and those of you that have been tuning in for 10 years, you know that this is a hot button for me. Let's take a short break, everyone. We'll be right back with the show. Holistique Medical Center is where you find it all, a healthy space with doctors who care, see, and listen to the whole you. Hi, this is Dr. Darvish. If you have not found an answer to your chronic symptoms, you will find answers here at Holistique Medical Center. Our doctors find the root cause of your symptoms and guide your body towards healing naturally. We transform lives from within. Visit drdarvish.com or call 425-451-0404. Get your shift together with Dr. Joe Dispenza and Greg Braden Saturday, November 16th, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. at the Seattle Center for Spiritual Living for this collaboration between two of the most inspiring teachers highlighting their unique paths as they explore the latest scientific studies and how this information can empower you during this critical period of our history. Making a difference in the world starts with you. To register, go to joedispenza.com slash events. That's joedispenza.com slash events. Get insider knowledge about everything that is going on at Transformation Talk Radio. Go to TransformationTalkRadio.com and enter your email to receive our newsletter. Stay updated on new hosts, inspiring guests, and good news articles from around the world. We look forward to having you join our community. Are you feeling stuck? Do you want to be free from fears and doubts and finally feel good about yourself, but you just don't know how to get there? Dr. Schaub's Accelerated Breakthrough Program provides you with the tools and solutions to go beyond your limitations and achieve self-empowered confidence. Call for your free phone consultation at 866-903-MIND. Visit CellularWisdom.com. That's CellularWisdom.com. Tune in to the Sandy Brewer Show, getting to the heart of what matters in your life. Thursdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com and experience the powerful healing voice of Dr. Sandy Brewer, one of Call and Talk Radio's most dynamic, compelling personalities. Get ready for inspiration and contagious humor and her been there, done that, no-nonsense advice to meet today's challenges. Listen and call in at 800-930-2819 for the Sandy Brewer Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. For those of you that are tuning in for the first time, um, you can certainly find out more about us by going to the com or go to TransformationTalkRadio.com. You'll see that we are uh, absolutely 100% supporting John Donnelly on his journey as well as the work of my very special guest today, Dr. John Alcott, joining me here today. And we're going to make sure you guys have lots of information to find out um, about uh, everything we're talking about, but most importantly, you know, to really take you to the Lyme Disease Research Foundation, why this is so important. I, I just get chills every time I say it, Dr. Alcott. I mean, you know, the fact that we actually have, you know, the Lyme Disease Research Foundation, it my hat goes off to you. Let's share a little bit about the foundation and why was this such an important mission for you? And, boy, thank you so much for doing what you do. 
Well, my passion for this really came out of, you know, my role as a physician. So I, I care for patients and I've been seeing patients and uh, more and more seeing patients with Lyme disease that weren't getting well. And it, it was a um, initial observation that, that came through patient experience and, and me caring for patients. So it really started with, with the frontline work that I do as a physician. But where that led me quickly was to why we didn't have the research um, going on to answer the questions that the doctors and practitioners and patients had. And it was this immediate kind of realization that, that there was a huge lack of, of research and integration of research in the patient care in Lyme disease. So it, w- it all came down to realizing that we had incredible resources for doing research in many illnesses, and yet they weren't being applied to the problem of Lyme disease. So it was that, that lack of, of, of a research engagement that bridged you know, the state-of-the-art research tools that are being developed, lack of bridging that to answering the problems that our patients were bringing up. So that's that's what got me involved initially. Well, you know, you and I were talking just a few minutes ago about what's changed, and I was sharing during the break that I feel very, very blessed to be in the state of Washington and to have the kind of amazing support and and, and doctors, you know, that are here. Um, also, you know, to be able to talk with you about getting people uh, right information, and that's what I want to talk with you about for a little bit. Um, you, you know, this is really the kind of question that comes to the forefront about Lyme Disease Research Foundation. But Lyme Disease Research in general, where are we lacking? What are the challenges? What are the most important things? If I, if I said to you, if you had all the money in the world and all the resources in the world, Dr. Alcott, what would be the top three things you would get done like yesterday. <laughs> so the, the, the needs in Lyme disease really span from the first stages, which are early recognition and, and adequate early diagnosis, to um, ensuring that people get better after they've been treated for Lyme disease. So it's really the needs are the beginning and then the end of the illness. Um, so what I would do is immediately um, r- ramp up the education. One of the things our foundation found out immediately was that that uh, patients and individuals and, and caregivers weren't adequately recognizing the earliest stages age of Lyme disease. They were all looking and tuned into the classic bullseye rash that comes with Lyme disease, and yet our research showed that the, really a minority of people have that kind of classic bullseye rash with the, you know, the target-looking lesion, and that the majority of the rash lesions actually weren't a target. They were just round, red skin lesions. Usually, people were thinking they were spider bites or a bug bite, and they were missing that key opportunity to make the early diagnosis. Early diagnosis is key, but because that's when the illness is the easiest to treat is uh, in the early stage, of course. So right up front, I'd say we have to get more education about how to make the early diagnosis by recognizing the rash um, lesion that comes on in in many of the patients. the, the second step is not everyone gets a rash, and people that don't get a rash lesion or that have a uh, rash that isn't recognized, the second big gap is the lack of early blood tests to make an early diagnosis. The current tests are really inadequate for the early diagnosis of Lyme disease, 
in the few, first few weeks. Again, those first few weeks when we want to make an early diagnosis, the, the practitioners don't have a blood test that's um, sensitive or accurate to make or confirm a diagnosis in the first few weeks. So that's a, a huge second gap right now is the, the lack of ability to have a blood test that confirms early diagnosis. And so our, our, our best chance to treat early, um, we're, we're hampered right now by these two um, gaps in, in diagnosis. You know, one of the things that uh, also is is an interesting conversation here is that um, education is so important, especially, you know, when we look at some of the fastest rising groups, you know, demographics, uh, you know, folks that are contracting the, the disease. I think, you know, when, when we interviewed John Donnelly, some of the questions that people have, you've got to be kidding, he's 24 years old, as if, wow, that's a surprise. Um, but what are what are you saying? I mean, it's not like uh, there are age groups that are exempt from this. This is not a disease that has to do. Oh my gosh, you're going to get it because you're older. Can you shine the light on that for people so they get a sense of this? Sure. No, you know, Lyme disease is transmitted by ticks, and um, ticks are out in the environment. So the people that get Lyme disease are people that are out in in their environment. That environment can be their yard, gardening, or it can be out in its surrounding areas, hiking, or anywhere that gets us out into our environment puts us at risk. doesn't mean we shouldn't go out and enjoy the beautiful surroundings, but it, it means that um, there is some risk there, and we can talk more about prevention later. Mm-hmm. But because yeah. it's a, an environmental illness, um, young children and, and adults are, are, are exposed. There's two big peaks for Lyme disease. One is in childhood, and the second is later in life in the, in the 40s. And, uh, and those are times of life when people are typically out in, you know, out in the garden or out in the woods hiking and gardening. So it's a, an illness that really has a peak in childhood and then, again, in later life. No one's exempt. Anybody that's, that's out in their you know, surrounding area in a in in an area where there are ticks, is at risk. Things that I think people are faced with is a, sort of a level of mythology around this, if I could use that term. Um, and it really just uh, it does point to a question about the CDC. Because, you know, thanks to you and your effort and people like you, uh, folks are getting more information. You know, the... Uh, um, there are so many things out there. Tick-borne Disease Alliance is another group. But I wanted to ask you about this because the CDC recently came out and said, uh, you know what, we may, may be off a little bit about the incidence of Lyme disease, may, may, may have this uh, wrong a little bit. Uh, let's talk about how wrong they actually may have it and why is that important for people to know? So, you know, the, the CDC... Um, counts cases of Lyme disease using methods that, that have, you know, severe limitations. The, the current mm-hmm. kind of reports are based on physicians and caregivers submitting written reports of cases that they've diagnosed. And that's, you know, that kind of bureaucratic tool is very difficult because it, in, in today's busy world of medicine, um, a lot of times those forms don't get filled out or they don't get turned in. And so the CDC can only count cases that, uh, that they get the forms on. And, uh, and those, we're always, you know, in any disease, we know that's a limitation because um, when you require human beings to generate forms and reports, we know in all diseases that they don't always get turned in. So I think 
we've all suspected that the cases were being undercounted, but recently I'm using other methods to kind of get ideas about true number of cases, the estimate it may be tenfold undercounted. So if 30,000 cases uh, reports are being turned in, there, there probably are 10 times as many true cases out there every year. So that's a big number. That means you know we're in the hundreds to 300,000 cases of new Lyme disease a year based on not the traditional case reporting mechanisms, but looking at other ways to capture um, the true number of cases. So it's a big, big uh, difference, 30,000 up to 300,000. That really catapults Lyme disease, you know, really into the top um, tier of reportable infectious diseases. It's right up there among, you know, the sexually transmitted diseases like chlamydia. Mm-hmm. It far surpasses, um, you know, HIV AIDS and other high high profile um, infectious diseases in terms of the number of cases. Now, Lyme disease is way up there right at the top of, of reportable infectious diseases. Wow. You know, I wanted to make sure that folks uh, had some information for 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 those of you out there. Here, here's what I'd love to do for for the listeners. I'd love to give you an opportunity to to get your questions in here. First of all, you have um, our 800 number. You can call in, get your question, uh, and present it. Dr. Alcott is absolutely amazing and has done so much work on this. Um, Boy, he's right there on the leading edge of what is happening in Lyme disease research and much more. So um, if you want to find out for yourself and get some information, I want to make sure that you go to the website, uh, LymeMD.org. That's like Dr. MD. LymeMD.org. Go check that out. Um, and also, you can call our 800 number to get your question in here. If you don't want to come on the air, just give your question to Benny. The other way to do it is go to the drpatshow.com or transformationtalkradio.com and go on the right-hand side. There's a place for you to ask your question, and we will make sure we get that question on the air for you. Um, You know, so for those of you out there, this is a great opportunity. Um, We don't know what we don't know about this, Dr. Alcott. You know what I'm saying? Mm Mm-hmm. It's like in 2004 in the Pacific Northwest, I, I, we're like, oh, my gosh, what the heck is the question we're supposed to be asking here? Um, have we gotten any better at that? I know for myself, I get new and interesting questions that come to the forefront. But um, that's not the case everywhere. You know, it's just not the case everywhere. I mean, people are still stunned and they're dying. So um, I wanted to talk with you when we come back about what the trans, um, translational clinical research is that you're doing, what additional research is needed, and then to talk a little bit about, you know, your prospective cohort study because, you know, this is really the arena where we get to get some answers to some very complex questions. But one of the things I think, that Dr. Rockett, you and I can say today is that Lyme disease is no longer in the closet. You know what I'm saying here? (laughs) I think you're right. (laughs) Not the kind of coming out party you want to attend, but certainly it's not in the closet anymore. We're going to take a short break. We've got lots to share with you. Dr. John Alcott joining me here today. Again, go to LymeMD.org. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the research he's involved in uh, and answer the question, what else is possible here? Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back with the show. Take all of your wasted honor 
Tune into Intuit University, compassionate guidance, connecting you to your inner wisdom with internationally renowned psychic and medium, Sherry Dillard. Each Thursday at 12 Pacific, 3 Eastern, get ready for an hour of practical spirituality, fun, and a magic carpet ride into the spirit realm. This hit show is a combination of call-in readings and intuitive mentoring as Sherry supports, inspires, and empowers you to create your highest good in relationships, career, finances, life purpose, spirituality, and more. For more information, visit SherryDillard.com. How would you like increased health and vitality? How would you like to avoid the onset of disease as well as slow the aging process? This is all possible through a simple, safe, and natural process. Every day we are either moving toward wellness or away from wellness. Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. I'd like to be your partner in achieving optimal health. Contact me now at MaryJaneMack.com or call 425-392-0659. Visit MaryJaneMack.com. Grateful patients have been saying it for 25 years. When in pain, see Dr. Thane. Dr. Thane of Wellness One of Bellevue has been named one of the nation's top chiropractors by the Consumers Research Council of America, and for good reason. He has helped his patients recover their energy and vitality after car accidents, sports injuries, herniated discs, fatigue due to stress, the list goes on. The website is bellevue.wellness1.net. When in pain, see Dr. Thane. That's bellevue.wellness1.net. Tune in each Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com for the hit radio show that illuminates the heart-centered bond of animal and human as souls destined to find each other in a lifetime. Each week, this world-renowned animal communicator, through her live call-in show, will assist you in understanding animals as light beings, here to raise the vibrational level of this planet. They're ready. Are you Tune in each Tuesday at noon Pacific, 3 Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com for The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie Kroll, featuring weekly segments with David Eisen and the Chakra Sound System. Each week, you will journey through infinite possibilities, expand into social potential, and find beautiful beginnings where endings leave off. Change makers from around the world will explore what's emergent about the environment, relationships, health, and the evolution of consciousness. Visit TheDrJulieShow.com. The Tick-Borne Disease Alliance, TBDA, has just launched Fight Back for a Cure, a new national grassroots campaign to build support for the fight against tick-borne diseases. This fall, 24-year-old John Donnelly is biking across America to meet others affected by tick-borne diseases and raise awareness about the national tick-borne disease epidemic. TBDA wants you to get involved in the campaign and follow John's journey. To learn more, visit fightbackforacure.org. Take out of your so-called problems Better put them in quotations Hey everybody, welcome back. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. As I said before, if you've got a question, you want to just uh, join us on the show. If you have any question whatsoever about Lyme, about the research that's going on, you're welcome to give us a shout. 1-800-930-2819. Uh, one eight one eight hundred nine three zero two eight one nine. If you have a question and you would like to write it in, you can go to the drpatshow.com or you can go to transformationtalkradio.com and uh, please post your question and we'll make sure we get your question on the air. Dr. John Alcott is joining us here today, and as I said earlier in the show, um, you know Dr. Alcott is the president of the Lyme Disease Research Foundation. 
um, which is doing an amazing job at at getting to some of the information that we really need, some of the research we really need, and we're talking about some of that today. Uh, Dr. Arcott, very big conversation. I think it's important to talk a little bit about translational clinical research, the work that you're doing, as well as your prospective cohort study and the importance in research. You know, why is research so important? I mean, certainly if we look at other diseases, AIDS and cancer, we could see the importance of it. So, you know, that, that big phrase, translational clinical research, is, mm-hmm. is a big word, but basically it's, it boils down to um, taking techniques that are very sophisticated in the laboratory and bridging those over to understanding human illness and disease. So specifically, some of our researchers are established, renowned researchers studying diseases in mice and in petri dishes and labs, but have never been able to apply those same methods to human illness. What our foundation does is fund research that incorporates human illness, people with Lyme disease, and taking their illness and putting their blood samples into the hands of of renowned researchers to apply these techniques that are well worked out in animals, in uh, mice models, well worked out in other illnesses, but translating those uh, areas of science into what's happening in our patients, in human beings with Lyme disease. That's what translating means. It means bridging the basic laboratory research area to actually helping people, because that's what it's all about. You know, we want to do research to help people, and we can't help people without actually getting blood samples and clinical samples from human beings, my, you know, patients that are suffering from Lyme disease, getting their samples into the hands of scientists. So that's what we do. We're, we're known for um, um, translating uh, this research by having participants in our studies and having their blood samples um, obtained for research purposes. And those blood samples that we get from um, individuals with Lyme disease, when put into the hands of researchers, we find remarkable things. For instance, we've talked about how the early detection of Lyme disease with the current test is not um, as sensitive, is not adequate, and yet with these blood samples in the hands of researchers, we are coming up with new ways to have very sensitive blood tests for Lyme disease. And these techniques will be able to detect Lyme disease at the very earliest stages, and they'll be able to do it by directly identifying the bacteria that causes Lyme disease. You know, the bacteria that causes Lyme disease is called Borrelia burgdorferi in the United States, and right now there's no direct tests that actually identify the bacteria in blood samples reliably. Well, our collaborators are working on these kind of tests using these blood samples from this translational clinical research. That's the goal. That's, you know, when you get to the bottom line, it's about creating better blood tests from these research uh, endeavors and collaboration. Uh, You know, one of the things that I think that people look at is um, there is so much information flying around out there. I got an email from someone here a few minutes ago talking about whether we would comment on, you know, the Katie Couric, um, uh, the television show that was done with Katie Couric, Dr. Horowitz was there. Certainly there was a debate going on. And, and I said, you know, basically I'm not in a position to comment about that show. I mean, you know, one of the things that I, I think that I do want to say, and maybe you can talk to this as well, is that, you know, this hasn't been an easy uh, conversation 
to shine the light on what we're now finding out about Lyme disease. You know, there are a lot of reasons that, um, you know, this has been sort of kept, uh, you know, on the down low. Certainly, if you look at the, the legal situation in Connecticut and what's going on with the, the conflict of interest and the attorney general and so forth, um, you know, the good news about that is that their decision about guidelines for treatment for Lyme disease was so obnoxious that it got people riled up. Um, but we can talk about, you know, what some of the accomplishments are. You know, and I, and I think I mentioned to you, if you went back to 2004, it's like night and day now. You know, there's so much information that's coming to the forefront uh, that people are having a hard time, um, you know, Dr. Arcott, trying to figure out what's right, what should I believe, what should I read. Can you talk to that for a minute? I sure can. I mean, I, I think that is one of the biggest challenges for both patients and, frankly, for their caregivers is mm-hmm. in an area where we have so much uncertainty and and still primitive black and white, an, you know, black and white answers. Um, uncertainty is tough to deal with because we have suffering people that that have illness and, and you know, desperately want to get better, and yet we're limited by uncertainty. And I think that's where a lot of the controversy has come out of is the fact that honestly, we still don't have good tools um, to apply to the illness and to help our patients with. For instance, the basic tools of measuring disease. You know, without accurate measurement tools, it's hard to know how many cases there truly are. Without accurate measurement tools, it's hard to know when somebody is um, is is getting better from their treatment. You know, so one of the huge things, you know, medicine relies on are measurement tools. You know, if you have cancer and get treated for cancer, you see your oncologist and they remeasure the tumor. They get a new CAT scan, they get a new blood test, and they're able to tell you based on their treatment uh, whether you're getting better based on a you know a blood test or a measurement tool, those kind of basic measurement tools really don't exist yet for Lyme disease, and I think that puts us in a very uncertain position. You know, a patient sees their provider, they get treated, um, they know if they feel better, but they don't really have a black and white way to monitor how they're doing. You know, not the way um, we're used to in other illnesses where there are blood tests or, or x-rays that can tell us what the disease is doing. And so that uncertainty, I think, is a lot of what has caused the controversies because, frankly, we don't have good black and white uh, answers and measurement tools. Well, and I know you and I, and, and, and I just want to put this out there. For those of you that want to find out more about what I'm getting ready to say, uh, certainly I will make sure you have the, the website to go to. But, you know, you and I were, were talking during the break, and, and certainly it, it does raise a question of, uh, you know, this Lyme disease being the great imposter or some of these other diseases. I, I actually don't know which is the imposter. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, there's an article that I, that, I, that I read recently because, you know, I have a friend. I actually have two friends uh, who have daughters that have just been recently diagnosed with uh, multiple sclerosis to, to MS. And, you know, a recent article says MS is Lyme disease, anatomy of a cover-up. Uh, that's the article. Uh, name. And what I want to say about it is that, you know, MS is just one category, but there are some doctors out there. Um, I actually don't know, uh, you know, much about the research, but there are some doctors that say that just about um, all of the occurrences 
of, of some of these diseases, and MS, ALS, Parkinson's, uh, fibromyalgia, rheumatoid arthritis. I mean, we can go on and on. But one of the things that's interesting is you, you guys have to really go out and do your research to just follow up with you because you and I are not experts in this arena by no way. But the article really points to something I found very interesting. And, you know, they point to the situation that every MS patient that has passed away that they have done autopsies on um, have been found uh, to have, you know, the the actual, what I like to call the spirochete, but there are other the other names for it. Every, every brain matter has had incidences of this. And I think that's fascinating to me. I mean, this really piggybacks the study that was done in the movie um, that was brought to bear, the study at Harvard, where the seven or something out of 11. You know, are, is this information being paid attention to? Do you think we're getting anybody's attention on this? Or do you think that we probably have to get better kind of research that really talks to this? Yeah, we, we really need, I think, to break this open, we need these basic research mm-hmm. um, tools that mm-hmm. we've been talking about. I mean, for instance, one of the things we're, that our foundation supports is not only the early diagnosis, but what we think of as the later downstream impact of having Lyme disease. And we're very interested in how having Lyme disease may affect your immune system. And that may be one mm-hmm. of the links you're talking about here is, yeah. you know, does Lyme disease trigger immune system changes over over time that then cause other problems. So, you know, right. you have your early Lyme disease, but then afterwards are, are the later problems maybe related to autoimmune or immune system type of illnesses. So, you know, we think of the immune system as, as a complex uh, um, feature. It's a good thing when it fights infection, but it can be a bad thing if it causes autoimmune illness. So we think studying and understanding Lyme disease is going to mm-hmm. give us great insights into how an infection can trigger immune system dysfunction, and that may open up a whole new understanding into an illness, for instance, like fibromyalgia, you know, another illness that in which case we don't know the cause, you know, will Lyme disease kind of help us understand how people end up with fibromyalgia? Maybe it's because they have a triggering event like Lyme disease or another triggering event that causes changes in immune system responses or changes in homeostasis that then look like uh, fibromyalgia. Those are really important important questions that our studies are going to um, shed insight on as we start to dissect apart the complex immune responses to Lyme disease. And that's one of the areas we're actually very um, interested in and promising mm-hmm. research that we will be publishing in the next few years really are going to show how Lyme disease impacts the human immune system. And that's going to open up, I think, a lot of fascinating questions like you're bringing up. Well, and, and there are more and more questions, and it, there seem to be, uh, you know, people are are stepping forward to a call of action uh, for a lot of reasons. I mean, you know, I shared on a previous show, Dr. Alcott, that, you know, one of the, uh, uh, I would say, one of the most uh, important legal battles uh, and financial um uh, what I want to say, financial uh, allowances for anything related to Lyme happened to a, a young woman, a uh, young girl, actually, in a, on a school trip that went to China. And, uh, 
you know, they found that misinformation, there were a lot of students that, that got Lyme disease. In her case, it was overlooked. I mean, it went on and on. I mean, it's just a baffling amount of dollars. Um, do you think it's going to take that kind of action to get people's attention? I mean, it certainly was groundbreaking in terms of, you know, from a legal point of view. Uh, Katie Couric coming on and, and doing what she did. Uh, you know, what is it really going to take for people to just stop and say, you know, I need to find out more about this LimeMD.org, about this research, how I can support it, and about how to prevent this. Let's talk about prevention. Because, you know, and I, I believe that that young, young girl got the award that she did because it could have been prevented. Yeah, I think the, you know, the call to action to me is that now when I, when I, uh, you know, talk to people, it's almost impossible um, to talk to somebody and, and not have them bring up uh, a friend or a family member that's had Lyme disease on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as, mm-hmm. as this really becomes the uh, epidemic uh, that uh, it is, it's it's really hard to, to, to not know somebody that's had their health impacted by Lyme disease. So I think the call to action will be as 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 everyone knows somebody. And and on uh, the other thing is, it is courageous for people to talk about their illness. Um, it's not easy. Um, there have been you know a lot of people that have had Lyme disease, but you know it, they don't really want to talk about being sick or ill. And so mm-hmm. I think there are probably even more people out there with Lyme disease than we realize because they're suffering kind of in silence. And and uh, so in some ways, I call this the insidious epidemic because yeah. people don't always talk about it and yet you know when I'm out socially or professionally you know everyone that I meet knows somebody with Lyme disease here so yeah. this this insidious epidemic I think is going to become more um, as you said kind of coming out of the closet yeah. um, uh, the other thing I'd like to say is that I think the other call to action is this may be a very important illness regarding its specific impact on women. We're, we're very uh, interested in have preliminary data on, you know, the, the differential impact of Lyme disease on women versus men. And, of course, it makes sense that, you know, an illness would be different in women than men. They have different hormonal environments, different, um, you know, physiology, and, and, and autoimmune illnesses are different are more common in women, and we think Lyme disease may be having a much bigger impact, especially the the chronic illness associated with Lyme disease, may be having a much bigger impact on women, and I think that's the other call to action. This Mm -hmm. is an illness that I think is really impacting women even more than men, and and, and again, you know, changing people's health forever. So those are the calls to action I see. Yeah, I I love this topic because you and I really (laughs) – we're – we had a pretty good conversation about about this in terms of you know the fact that um, this may affect may affect women as you said uh, in different ways and maybe even more seriously. You and I were talking during the break, and I said to you that one of the things that I've been tracking is the information that has come out about the the rise in inflammation or inflammatory diseases amongst women. And I thought to myself, I, I turned to my doctor and I said, I don't understand it. Why isn't there, why isn't there something out there about men? Uh, and that's going to be an interesting question to explore. You know, the differences in the research, is that an area of research that you'll be looking at? So absolutely. So one of our key 
missions is to, you know, if you look at many of the older Lyme disease articles, they mm-hmm. didn't really separate the data on women and men. And so yep. when we went back and looked at the literature, we couldn't find a lot that specifically reported the differences in men and women. So all of our papers that we're publishing, and all these papers are available on our website, we always report the different outcomes in, in women versus men. And we're seeing that they're different. I mean, it looks like, you know, in our research that, that women are more likely to suffer long term health problems than men are. Um, and so this is a really important important feature that you know may give us insights into these other illnesses that uh, have a sex based difference. Fibromyalgia, you know, dramatically more women with fibromyalgia than men. And we think that Lyme disease is going to be one of the keys, the research in Lyme disease to understanding these sex-based differences in other illnesses like fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, these other kind of syndromes that we don't completely understand. Uh, Yeah, and I do want to go back to something you said, because I think you really nailed it, this conversation uh, about Lyme disease. There is a stigma uh, associated with the disease, and, you know, nobody's really talking about that. I mean, you know, I got to have a conversation, and and I know you met them too, Dr. Alcott, a conversation with Chloe, 20-year-old young woman, uh, had the disease 10 years, and, of course, John Donnelly. Yeah. and you have a conversation, you say, how has your life changed? You know, what, what is it? And the conversation comes up about, okay, it's great to be out here and to be talking about this. And this was Chloe's first time. John, of course, is riding his bike. But the question came up about how do you share that information with a loved one or a potential loved one? I mean, these are young people, but it really affects everyone across the board. And, you know, some young person said to me, you know what it's like? This is what they said, and I wish you would, you know, this would be great to comment. They said, this is like what it was like when gay people, uh, gay men, were, you know, in the HIV realm, when that was the diagnosis and the stigma associated with that. And, And this young person said to me, there is a stigma, you know, I, and he, he said to me, I cried. He said, I don't know that I'll ever really be loved. And I thought, oh, my goodness, nobody is talking about that, Dr. Alcott. You know what I mean? Yeah. The no, psychological there, effect of it. Yeah, no, it's really, uh, it impacts not just the patient, but their family and their loved ones. And so there is this kind of stigma because nobody wants to... Um, you know, be viewed as somebody who's always ill. And one thing that, that people often mention to me is outwardly patients with Lyme disease may not look as ill as they are. So they, patients often comment, well, you know, I look okay. I can rise to the occasion and get myself together. And so people may look at a Lyme sufferer and say, well, there's nothing wrong with that person. They're out here at an event. They look fine. They're, they're riding a bike, for instance. And yet, you know, everyone who works with, with Lyme um, patients knows that the you know, the disability and effect on the quality of life is huge. Um, unlike an illness like HIV AIDS, there's not as many outward signs of, of, of disease manifestation. There are more the kind of quality of life symptoms and suffering that sometimes you can't see. And so I think that also makes it kind of a stigma that people feel like they're going to be, you know, kind of doubted that they're really ill. Yeah. Um, it is, I have to tell you, it's such a, a big conversation. But you know what I love about this, Dr. Alcott? 
you and I are able to have an intelligent conversation about this. You know, and for me personally, personally, this is what's changed since 2004. You know, we're able to have a conversation. You're able to go uh, to to conferences like the one that you, you've, you've been at and, and make presentations and actually get people's attention. You know, we have come a long way, even though we do have a lot more to do. Um, so thank you so much for what you're doing. I, I wanted to just ask you a little bit to comment a little bit about some of these conferences and how you've seen these conferences change, you know, since 2007. I think that, you know, the the conferences are getting bigger and bigger attendance. Um, So, again, that kind of increased awareness. And I think the conferences are starting to, um, you know, really picket the tough issues that need to be answered. You know, the... When Lyme disease goes well and people get better, it's an easy mm-hmm. illness to diagnose and treat. But I think the conferences are starting to recognize that that the more difficult aspects of Lyme disease are really the challenge now. It's those people that don't get diagnosed early, those people that don't get early recognition that end up with chronic illness. And I think the conferences are going to increasingly focus on those aspects of the difficult to help patients and and really take on those tough things that are, frankly, harder to study. And I guess, you know, the, the other thing that I would throw out there is, you know, the, the research resources and funding for this area, hopefully your, people are going are gonna, to um, bring awareness towards then uh, translating that into, into research funding for these illnesses because, you know, that's the key thing to push forward the knowledge and understanding will be to really get, you know, increasing research funding for these kind of translational research Projects. I think that's mm-hmm. that's going to be crucial, and that's going to then get more researchers involved. Because if there's funding for the researchers, more people will be able to start research careers, and we're, and we're hoping to see that. Where more young scientists see Lyme disease as a as a career option that has funding that is a, as a future to for them to put their research careers into. That'll be so important to to then further our knowledge down the road. Mm. Wow. Dr. Alcott, thank you so much for joining me here today. I do have one last question. I'd love for you to, again, share your website, but also I'd love to hear your personal message today. What would you like to leave us with? There's hope. That's the that's the, always the message. There's hope. For your listeners out there that are suffering from Lyme disease, there is hope. There are people that know this is a real problem. There are people that know that we desperately need more research and, and not to give up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, please give out your website. So there's lots of great information on the website. And how can people support uh, your endeavor? Yeah, so LymeMD.org is our website, mm-hmm. and the Lyme Disease Research Foundation contact information is there. All of our research actually to this point has been supported by private philanthropy, so we count on that. Uh, our entire research budget right now is is from gifts from individuals and, and small foundations. So that's, that's the lifeblood of our work that we're doing here. So uh, all that information can be found at LymeMD.org. Thank you. Thank you so much. Wow. A lot of information there. If you go to the website, uh, you'll be able to find information, information about preventing Lyme disease as well, 
and if you are with a, a professional, a doctor, and you want a doctor to find out more information, there's information here on the website for medical professionals and much more. Uh, Dr. Alcott, again, thank you so much for today's show. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. You bet. I want to thank all of you for tuning us in, turning us on. We've got lots of information we're planning to share with you. Uh, if there is something that you want more information on, you can always send me an email at info at the drpatshow.com. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next time on the show. There's a great hunger in this world for new lines of thought, because everywhere you look, they say that joy can just be bought. So please come and set aside some time to relax from frenetic. Transform your life. It takes a while, but results are magnetic. We aim to grasp the best in life and track the ways we grew. The how, the why, the what, wherefore, all this we share and do. But every now and then, we hope that you will share right back. Transformation Talk Radio wants you to hop on track. So calling all hosts, tall and small, of every size and hue, there's nobody we'd rather have to tell your tale than you. And if you have a tale to tell of how your life is changing, we'd love to hear you on the line say how you're rearranging. So run, don't walk, to call us now. We'll set you up and show you how. Hi, this is Dr. Pat. Join our radio family. Send us an email, host at transformationtalkradio.com or call 1-800-930-2819 host your own show. Let us help you bring your voice to the world. How would you like increased health and vitality? How would you like to avoid the onset of disease as well as slow the aging process? This is all possible through a simple, safe, and natural process. Every day we are either moving toward wellness or away from wellness. Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. I'd like to be your partner in achieving optimal health Contact me now at MaryJaneMack.com or call 425-392-0659. Visit MaryJaneMack.com. The Tick-Borne Disease Alliance, TBDA, has just launched Fight Back for a Cure, a new national grassroots campaign to build support for the fight against tick-borne diseases. This fall, 24-year-old John Donnelly is biking across America to meet others affected by tick-borne diseases and raise awareness about the national tick-borne disease epidemic. TBDA wants you to get involved in the campaign and follow John's journey. To learn more, visit BiteBackForACure.org. Having trouble keeping up with the accelerated, life-altering changes occurring on the planet? The Quantum Vortex is the brainchild of Meg Benedicte, a pioneer in quantum healing and energetic activations. Weaving together ancient spiritual knowledge, quantum physics, and vibrational healing, Meg Benedicte is accelerating change at the cellular level. For more details on private sessions, meditation CDs, downloads, and teleseminars, visit NewEarthCentral.com. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. 
Tune in to the Voice America Empowerment Channel every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio, the home of some of the world's most inspiring talk radio hosts. Please stay tuned at the top of the hour. We will be bringing you another amazing, educational, and inspiring show to get you on the path to transforming your life. For more information about us, please visit our website, www.transformationtalkradio.com. That's www.transformationtalkradio.com. 